if you're a football fan, you know exactly what that means, don't you? Yeah, I can see some of the guys are already running for the refrigerator right now. I know I was yelling, yelling, honey, where's my salsa? I got the chips, but I don't have the salsa. Well, you know what today is, don't you? What's today? Sunday, Sunday that's right. That's the only day it is. So stop thinking about it. Don't look up there. Okay? Yeah, I know. Some of you are going, how long? My wife keeps asking me, so how long until the Super Bowl? And I said, we got all afternoon, honey. So the pregame show starts at 1 o'clock. So we're good to go. Now, actually, you know, what better way today? I kept thinking about what the Lord laid on, had been laying on my heart. And, and after realizing, you know what? This weekend is Super Bowl Sunday. And I thought, what better way than to talk about the Rams and the Patriots, right? Not, right, right, yeah. So, so how many of you are fans? How many of you are fans of anything? Some things, yeah, yeah, you're a fan. Okay, we're going to be talking about fans and followers. But with regards to the Rams and the Patriots, I know a lot of people are like, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Um, I was going to wear my Colts jersey this morning because that's who should be in the Super Bowl. Uh, or uh, my friends over here that are with, um, from where? Where are you guys from? New Orleans, right? Yeah, yeah. Kevin and Emily, they've been mourning all week, the last two weeks. Um, should have been. But, you know, you know, we, we're all in. You know, we want, we got the hats. We got the paraphernalia. We're excited because we're rooting for our team, right? We're all in. We are excited. How many of you are Rams fans today? You've never been in your entire life. Yes. Now, I'm not going to tell you who I'm rooting for, but it's not the Patriots. That's all I'll tell you. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So let, let's talk about this a little bit. Let, let's talk. What is a fan? All right. What, a fan can be described as an enthusiastic admirer. All right. So when we think about fan, now this guy's an enthusiastic admirer. He's all set for today. He's got the, ha- the helmet, the hat, he's got the horns, he's all set, he want- he's got the jersey. I looked up, I thought about getting a Rams jersey, and then I thought, why waste my money? So I didn't, but I thought about it, I honestly did. Uh, my, you check my uh, eBay history, it does have Rams paraphernalia on there, but I thought, I'm not wasting my time or my money, because I'll probably never root for him again. But again, how, when we think about this, you know, being a fan of something, we- we've got all the stuff, we, we know about my team. I know the statistics. I know everything there is to know about the team. But you never played a second of your life on the team. All right? Some of us will never, ever play on a football team. Not like that. So bottom line is we're still only a fan. We're still only an enthusiastic admirer. How many of you were, are Cubs fans? 2016? Anybody? Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still with them? It's been three years. It's only 105 more to go till the next one. Some of you, I've got to admit, you are true followers. You'll stick with them through thick and thin. People laugh at me. I've got, I'm an Orioles fan, and I've been for many years. And, and I think it was 1983 when we got married was the last uh, World Series. And so I track it by the time we got married. It's been 35 years. Uh, 35 good ones for us, 35 bad ones for them. But that's a different story. So when we, when we think about fans, though, I want, I want to bring this around, okay? We're, we're talking about being a fan or a follower. 
Let's bring it to our spiritual life, okay? I'm not going to talk about football all day. But I do want to parallel that in one sense or another with regard to our spiritual lives. When we think about being a fan or a follower today in Christianity, what does that look like? Uh, there's a book that I, I've kind of, I, I pretty much read in the last few weeks uh, called Not a Fan. This is a book about the Patriots. Um, but not really, not really. Um, but Kyle Eidelman puts a quote in there, and, and I want you to listen to what he says. He says, my concern is that many of our churches in America today have gone from being sanctuaries to, be go- to becoming stadiums. Every week all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus but have no interest in truly following him. Fans want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Folks, I want to talk to you today about what it is to be a fan or to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's my question. Are you today? Are you a fan or are you a follower? Some of the material that I'll share with you today comes from this book, and Kyle Eidemann pretty much hits the nail on the head. So I would encourage you, if you want to really be challenged, and I hope you're challenged today because I'm going to challenge you, read Kyle's book, but ultimately, let's go to the Word of God. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Before we do, though, I want to, let's pray and just ask God to open our hearts and our minds, allow the Spirit to use us and to, and to penetrate our hearts today to really challenge us where we are. Are we fans of Jesus, are we true followers? Father God, I pray that right now as I share these words that you have laid upon my heart, that you would guide these truths deep into, our, into the recesses of our heart to examine our lives to determine are we truly followers of Jesus Christ or am I just a fan? And as we look at your word, Lord, help the, the word of God to make a difference and help us to recognize where others were and where, who Jesus called on. They called them on it. Lord, help us to be called on it as we examine the truth today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6 if you haven't already. John chapter 6 is a passage. I'm going to be looking actually at three passages this morning. We're going to quickly move through them. Not going to do a lot of in-depth study in each one of them. You can do that. John 6 in and of itself could be studied for weeks and weeks. But we're going to look at John 6. Luke 9 and Matthew 7 today as we look at what it truly means to be a follower or a fan. So I want to challenge you in three different ways. First, I want to challenge you by asking you, are you looking for fulfilling or filling food or a fanatical faith? Filling food or a fanatical faith. This is as we come to John chapter 6, this is the fourth discourse in John's gospel that he's shared and and we come into this chapter, and, and all of a sudden, Jesus is faced with a, a situation by the Sea of Tiberias in, in Galilee uh, there, and, and they have a great multitude that's come. In verses 1 through 14, Jesus feeds the 5,000. They come, and they, they want to hear Jesus. They want to know what he has to say. This guy's interesting. He's doing some wild stuff. Turning water to wine. Jesus brings, like Craig said last week, Hey, Jesus brings the beer. Well, now we're going to look at Jesus brings the brats. So we had beer in two, chapter 2 and brats in chapter 6. But Jesus brings the food. 
And so here in chapter 6, the first verses, he addresses the people and then he challenges disciples in that, hey, where are we going to get food? Of course, again, there's a whole lesson in and of that of itself there. But Jesus ultimately gives them bread to eat and he feeds the 5,000. After he, he feeds the 5,000, then he goes and he, he sends his disciples on across the sea. And of course, while, the sea, while they were going across the sea, Great storm comes up. Jesus walks to him on the water, gets in the boat, and uh, says, don't be afraid, it's me. Don't you know who I am yet, basically? They still didn't. We get to the other side, and, and it's now morning. We come to verse 22. The following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat, his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone, other boats had come from Tiberias, near the place where they had ate the bread, and the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got in the boats, and they came to Capernaum, seeking whom? Seeking who? Jesus. Yeah. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? See, morning had come, disciples, Jesus, out of the picture, they took off. Went to the other side, about a six-mile hike, and here these people wake up in the morning, and they're hungry, and they're looking for the, uh, the Holiday Inn breakfast bar, and, and, and they've taken it down, and they, they're gone, so where, where are we going to get food? Well, I'm hungry, I, uh, so they hike around the lake, they get to Jesus, and they said, Rabbi, when, when did you come here? You know, we're, we, we're hungry, where's the brunch? Take it six miles. That's a hike in the morning. I'm sure they were tired. Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, in verse 26, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. How many of you like to go to buffets? Yes, it, 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 they are wonderful and dangerous. Yes, they're in places where you just pull up a chair. I don't need a table. I have one. They were filled. They had gotten all they needed. They had 12 baskets full. They ate till they were full. They were good. You know, I'll have one more piece, not just one more piece. Not just one more loaf. You got any more of that? Pass it over here. Jesus said, you seek me because you ate the loaves and were filled. He says, don't labor for, labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on them. And they said, oh, well, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And he said, all you have to do is believe. Believe in him whom he sent. Jesus is now confronting and shifting a focus. He's going from the physical bread to the spiritual bread. Just like he did in chapter 4 with the woman at the well. Talked about physical water and suddenly he's talking about living water. And Jesus is beginning to challenge them. And the people said, well, what sign are you going to perform them then that we may see it and believe you? Uh, excuse me, time out, time out, time out. Okay, football analogies, okay. 30-second timeout. What did Jesus just do the day before? Somebody help me out here. He had, he had done what? 
fit, oh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, I fit 5,000. Oh, that's nice. So what sign are you going to do now? You know, see, see, our fathers ate manna from heaven. You didn't do that. Whoa. Okay. And Jesus said to them, you know what? I say to you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. For the bread God gives is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's the true bread from heaven. See, again, he, he's, he's shifting focus. He, he's shifting from that, that manna to the eternal manna. From, that, from those loaves to the real bread of life. And they said, give us this bread. We want it. We want this bread. The problem, they were looking for that physical bread. And Jesus said, now it's not the filling food that I want to give you. It's rather the fanatical faith that I want you to latch on to. Look at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He couldn't have been any more plain. He made it very clear who he was. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Again, he even ties it back into John chapter 4 of being living water as well. And he goes on and he talks. He said, this is the will, verse 39, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing. I shall raise it up at the last day. He gives kind of a of an explanation of what it means to follow him and to be a follower of Christ. And, and, and look how the Jews respond. Give us this bread. Now, uh, excuse me, who are you? Aren't you Joseph's son? Didn't they, they like to use that. They like to throw that back in his face. Joseph's son. Because they knew he really wasn't Joseph's son. If you get what I mean, because Mary had the baby out of wedlock. But yeah, see how they use it? They twist it. They shove it in Jesus' face. Who is this? this? This one from Nazareth? This one from Galilee? This is just Jesus. They say, how then did he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, verse 43. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then he goes on and he really, he challenges them and he lays it all on the line in these next verses, all the way through verse 66. We're not going to take time to look at all of these, but I do want to highlight a couple of spots where it becomes all or nothing. Filling food or fanatical faith? That's the question. That's question number one for you. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And the Jews misunderstood it. They, They were stunned. They were confused. They did not understand at that point. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus didn't just stop there and go, wait, wait, well, maybe, you, you know, it, okay, let me tone it down a little bit. But instead, he goes further. And he says, verse 53, And most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, 
you have no life in you. Now remember, this is before the communion. This is before Jesus instituted the communion. So we're not talking about the communion table here. He's talking about this, this picture of you've got to be all in as if you are going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now eventually he's going to parallel that, but it was before the communion table. So this was a hard statement for them. Verse 56, he said, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. Don't you love that? Chapter 15. When, he get, when John gets to chapter 15, he talks about Jesus and the, the vine and the branches. And he uses that analogy again of abiding in him. And Jesus here it says the same thing. You want to abide in me? You've got to be all in. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You've got to be. And, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. You're, you're a fanatic, man. You see those guys at the, at the football games or the, the basketball games and 30 below and they have no shirt on and they've got the big whatever letter they've got on them. Yeah. Talk about fanatics. Yeah, they're all in, aren't they? So Jesus lays it all on the line and decision time comes. And verse 60 said, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? Now, this, well, he's talking about disciples. He's ta- not talking about the 12. He's talking about a large group. Those that had said, hey, Jesus, we'll follow you. Hey, we're, we're with you, we're with you. And all of a sudden, now, wait a second. This is a hard statement. I, I, this is too hard. I, I don't know what to do. And he gets to verse 66, and John says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They, the Greek term there means they abandoned him. They said, done. They walked away. That's it. Done. You know, being a follower of Jesus Christ requires a lot. It's not being an enthusiastic admirer of him. It's not getting the benefits. But it's being all in. You know, our, uh, our uh, application for membership here at, at uh, Wallace Bible. Go ahead and click that next one if you would. Notice what it says. I wonder how many of you actually have, have noticed or looked at that recently. Maybe if you're filling out an application for membership, you will look at this very carefully. We exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. How many of you are ready to sign on the dotted line? It's not about membership at a church. It's being a follower of Jesus Christ. That could be anywhere. But we here at Wawasee Bible, it's serious. It's not just a country club. It's not just a membership. Scan your card when you come in. But you're all in. You're with us. We're a body of believers that follow Jesus Christ to the end of the age. That's who we are. That's who we believe. That's what we believe. So, the first challenge then, again, filling food or fanatical faith. Second thing I want to challenge you in when becoming a fan or a follower Examine your hearts. Are you looking for casual, casual company or a complete commitment? You want to just kind of follow along? Turn with me back to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I love this passage. This was actually the very first message that I preached back in 1979 when I was... 
just before I went into my senior year in high school, I was on a team called Operation Barnabas. And I was given this passage. And this was my very first message to preach. You know, it, it's a cool passage. It, it's exciting to me. Because I think back, I remember it was Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. I was in a park and I remember standing on a gazebo for 10 minutes and shaking like I was going to fall apart. What happened? I don't know. Now they can't get me shut, but that's all right. It's a good thing, I think. So look what Jesus says. Happened on the journey that, uh, that someone came up to him and he said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Really? You sure? You know what you're asking? Jesus said, um, did you know that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Are you ready to follow him whenever, or wherever, excuse me, wherever? Do you really mean that? Because it, this is not home. We can move from spot to spot to spot to spot, but it's never home. This is never home. This culture is not our home. This world is not our home. I'm just a passing through. You're singing it in your head. I can hear you. Jesus says, are you willing to follow me? Complete commitment or casual company? Verse 59, again, I wish I had more time to go into depth in these passages. But again, I just want you to look and see. I want you to realize what Jesus is calling us to. Verse 59, he said to another, follow me. But this fellow said, Lord, uh, let me go first and bury my father. Jesus says, follow whenever. It could mean right now. And Jesus told him, he said, let the dead bury their dead, but you come and follow me. Man, it seems kind of harsh, don't you think? Jesus said, no, no, see, they're gone. There's nothing you can do, but you follow me. You walk with me. And again, I don't think Jesus was being insensitive, but I want, he said, if you don't hate your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, even your own life, you can't be my follower. That's hard. In our tolerant, sensitive society today, you can't say that. Well, I'm not. It's Jesus that's saying it. So you don't like me. You don't like what I say. Don't get mad at me. You address it with him. He said, listen, you're either all in or you're not. So, wherever, whenever, in verse 61 and 62, he said, another one came up and he said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first, let me go bid farewell to those at home. And Jesus said, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Whatever the cost, you've got to let it go. Again, those at home, you know, the hardest thing is leaving home sometimes or moving away. We moved halfway across the world to Norway and left parents here, family here. That wasn't easy. Eight years. They didn't see us grow up. They didn't see the grandkids grow up. Commitment. Are you willing? Thankfully, we're back and we're, we are joyful we can be around them. But what if it was lifelong? What if, it, you know, it's a blip on the radar of eternity. My parents are, say, are believers. Her parents are believers. Our families are believers. Praise God. You know what? This is all going to pass. Boom. It's all done. Ron Fisher. I don't know how old he was. Does anybody know how old he was? I didn't hear. I forgot to ask Martha yesterday. Ron was young. A blip on the radar of life of eternity do you realize that you are we all are so whatever the cost are you really willing the questions are are there for us there is no option jesus says this isn't a debate but rather you have to be all in you want a good book another good book to read mark batterson 
It's called All In. You're one decision away from a totally different life. Again, another excellent book that you can, uh, you can take a look at. Well, that's the second thing. Third thing, and I wanna, I'll wrap up with these, uh, these thoughts here. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 7. Again, this, listen, this was not easy to prepare because I know how heavy it can be, but at the same time, I know the eternal destiny that will be determined based on the decisions that you make today or in the near future as to what God's word has to say and how I've shared it. So I hope I'm not coming across hard or harsh. I'm coming across as a realist because it's gonna happen. When they shut the lid, you're gonna be one place or another. You're either gonna be in heaven or you're gonna be in hell. And our world doesn't like to talk about that today. Either you're a sinner saved by grace or you're a sinner lost and destined to an eternity separated from God. It's that, it's that simple. But I want you to be a sinner saved by grace. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. So look what he says. As we get to Matthew chapter seven, the final challenge I want you to think about today is being a fan or a follower is based on whether you're looking for an impressive faith or an intimate friendship. You know, sometimes as believers, we, we get this idea that it's gotta be impressive. Look what Jesus says in chapter seven, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many of you will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I, I just can't even begin to fathom what that must be like. But if we are looking in our lives for just an impressive faith, then, it, then I think that this is where the reality is going to hit. You ever, do you remember the phrase, maybe you're familiar with this phrase, Yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. I think Seinfeld. I didn't watch Seinfeld, but occasionally I'd see a clip or something, and I think they did the yada, yada, yada. We do kind of today, blah, 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 blah. You know, and he was telling me blah, blah, blah. It's like really important stuff, apparently, because we just kind of blah, blah, blah right on by it. Don't do that to your wife, by the way. Not a wise idea. It's like, are you really listening to me? Uh-huh. Yada, yada, yada. You know what's really cool? In this passage, Jesus says, I never knew you. The Hebrew word for to know intimately, this is really cool, okay? This is a freebie, by the way. Doesn't cost any extra. The word in Hebrew, to know intimately, like Adam knew Eve and Mary knew Joseph, is yada. Isn't that cool? You just say it a little different way. It's not yada, yada, yada. No, it's yada. Do I yada, yada, yada my wife? No, I yada my wife. And I'm glad for that because I know her intimately. When I do the yada, 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 yada goes out the window. So Jesus said, do you really know me? Again, it's not about how much theology you know, how many verses you can quote, how many times you've been to church, or all the impressive statistics you can come up with. Jesus wants to know, do you have an intimate relationship with me? 
Again, marriage counseling is amazing. I love to see couples come and draw closer together. I, I love it. Now, it's not easy, granted. My wife and I know 35 years, even as counselors, we look at each other and go, what are we doing? We're messing this up, but we know all the answers. We still mess it up, but it, it takes work. But when, when you're drawing closer together, sometimes it's the hard stuff. It's the tough stuff. But you stay together because you love them. You're committed to them intimately. She's mine. This isn't coming off. Period. I don't know how, I don't care how bad it gets. You know what? Same thing with Christ. He says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. I'm not walking away. I'm going to because what else do I have, as Peter later said? You're the one who brings life. Where else would we turn? Right answer. That's exactly it. So the intimacy, is it there? But, but look back, take back a step back a little bit before this passage. Verse 15. Look at verse 15 through 20. You know, all the stuff that we do and all, the, all the, the ways that we serve, again, those are great, but if they're being done for the wrong reason, then we're still not being intimate with Jesus. Again, if it's only impressive faith that we're trying to show, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. He goes on to say, men don't gather uh, grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Last time I went out and pulled off an apple off an apple tree, it was an orange tree. It was an apple tree. It was, it, and I, I went, you know, you go to get figs off of a fig, but you don't get something else. It, it, it reveals what it is. You know, when we put a tea bag, Josh used that illustration, tea bag in water, the water doesn't make it tea. It just brings out what's in the bag. So what's in your bag? That's what Jesus is asking. He, you will know them by their Fruits. So are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Here's the caveat. We often put emphasis on our relationship with Jesus on what we say and do. Okay? It's oftentimes what we say and do. Those things are, are measurable. We are able to measure them. And they are tangible evidences of our love for Jesus. But, but, listen to this now. Jesus identifies his true followers based on an intimate relationship. In other words, what we say and what we do overflows out of the relationship that we have with him. It is the evidence of a relationship with him and not just rules to follow. You know, it's easy to follow the rules and not have the heart in it. Jesus says, is your heart there? Don't try to wow people with an impressive faith. Rather, he's looking for an intimate relationship. So I want to wrap this all up with a, one set of verses actually in the same passage, just a few, few verses before this. As you think about everything that I've shared with you today, I, I hope you have been challenged by the word of God. Because I, I want to conclude with these two verses. And I think, Craig, last week, this, it was a great segue into what I was going to share with you today about being a follower of Jesus, is being committed and being all in. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many fans, I inserted that, but that's what's actually being said, who go in by it. Here's the other half. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are a few followers who find it. Remember last week when Craig was talking about uh, white blazers and yellow blazers and I'll be, I like that yellow blazer thing, thumbing it, catching a ride, missing all the tough stuff. Craig says, no, the, lay, the way is laid out there. 
Are you willing to take the white blazer rate? It's, it's difficult. The gate is narrow and the way is difficult. It's not going to be easy. So if you commit yourself to eating his flesh and drinking his blood, it's not going to be easy. But the joy that comes at the end is simply amazing. So, question, are you fans or followers? Last verse. Luke 9, 23. You'll look at this in your one-time study this week. Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, followers, not fans he's talking about, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Folks, we're gonna, some of you will watch a football game today. Some of you won't care. Some of you are intense fans, and some of you are just along for the ride. But the question really comes down to, after all that, when it comes to our spiritual life, are we still just fans of Jesus because he's providing things, good stuff, or are we followers that are, as my friend told me, I'm all in. I can't do this half anymore. I'm all in. Are you all in? That's the only way to eternal life. Make that decision today. Make that commitment today and start on that, that narrow road and walk alongside of us as a body of believers in Jesus Christ here at Wawasee Community Bible. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that your word, as difficult as it can be sometimes, Lord, to try to swallow, to try to grasp, to try to understand. Because honestly, Lord, in our society, we like it easy. I like it easy. I don't like tough stuff. But that's what grows us. Lord, that's how you make us into the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if there are any fans here today, those enthusiastic admirers of you, that they would be all in and make that commitment. And then we can walk, lock in arms, side by side, as we storm the gates of hell. Father, thank you for the hope in Jesus Christ. Help us to be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ and not just fans. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.